Zara, I am so excited to talk about today's sponsor. It's the new film, Challenges. It's from the director of Call Me By Your Name, Luca Guadagnino, and stars and is produced by none other than our girl Zendaya. Yeah, you know I love her. You love her too. I love her so much. Zendaya plays Tashi Duncan, a former tennis prodigy turned coach who is married to a Grand Slam champion, currently on a losing streak. And if that's not bad enough, Tashi's strategy to help her husband break his curse sort of takes a surprising and awkward turn. Hmm, awkward indeed. Because now he must face off against his former best friend and Tashi's ex-boyfriend, Patrick. Zara, the tensions are running high. I know. Tashi's someone who makes no apologies for her game on and off the court. It's her game, her rules, but with her past and present colliding, Tashi must face reality and ask herself, what will it cost to win? Challenges is the sexy drama that everyone's talking about and it's definitely not one you want to miss. It's about passion, friendship and what happens when your past comes back to challenge you. You can grab a ticket from Tuesday the 26th. So grab your friends and get excited. I will be grabbing you and we are definitely going to be going to watch it. Oh, please. Thank you so much to Challenges for making this episode of Shameless Possible. And welcome to Shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. You're joined, as always, by Melbourne writers, Zara McDonald, that would be you, and Michelle Andrews, that would be me. I fucked up the order. Why did you swap them? Oh, no. (laughs) That never happens. That's not the alphabetical order of our names. You go by last name, alphabetical (laughs) order. Sorry. I'm thrown. And uh, welcome, producer Annabelle Lee. G'day. Hey. Oh, oh, should I say Lee Annabelle? (laughs) (laughs) That giggly little girl over there. Coming up on today's show. Carly Kloss made a curious appearance in the nosebleed section of the Eras Tour, adding another chapter to the world's most cryptic celebrity feud. The team that works on Star Magazine had a headline nightmare. It seems that all of TikTok is mourning the death of Anna Paul's relationship. Aussie label Zimmerman sells for a billion dollars. And what the hell do we make of Lil Tay's supposed Instagram hacking scandal? But first, Zara, how was your week? I watched Barbie. Oh, oh you did? I didn't I know did that. A, she didn't just watch Barbie. She took her mum to Barbie. I went to the cinema with my mum and my partner and we sat there and we watched it. What did you wear? What did I wear? Oh, did you, you wear pink? people dress up? Oh, I didn't. Honestly, I probably wore what I'm wearing now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't it's know. a sleigh outfit. So. <laughs> I'm wearing this jumper all week. It's so funny. When I went to Barbie, I thought I had like the perfect setup because People who went early had all the hype. Mm. And then I came in a couple of weeks later and sort of the hype, some people had said, oh, it's not what I thought it was or I was expecting more. So I felt like I was walking in with a blank canvas because I was like, whatever this is, I'm going to appreciate it. Look, I really loved it. Amazing. I was definitely in the mood and the headspace for something pink and sugary to hit me in the head. Mm. Yes. Um, There was definitely depth to it for sure. But I think the spectacle of it was exactly what I needed this week there was something so comforting in that Mm, it was silly there was silliness to it 
I'm still surprised that Mattel approved some of the storylines in that film. I feel so silly also talking about this so late, but given I've just experienced it. So Um, everyone, welcome to the middle of July. Yeah, exactly right. No, look, I want to be careful as well. Like the whole film, of course, is not silly, but the silly moments were very silly. Very silly. Greta Gerwig's mind is amazing. Mm. I love her. Margot, Ryan. I just want Oscars for them all. I really enjoyed it and I'm so glad I watched it this week. That is not my recommendation. I just needed to announce it. I needed to retract the statement (laughs) from when I said weeks ago that you would never see Barbie. You did not care. No, exactly. Right. My recommendation for this week on the theme of stuff that I just want to sit in front of and sort of have wash over me a little bit. I started watching Sex Lives of College Girls oh. on Finn. I have FOMO. I'm seeing this around and I feel like I'm missing out on something great. Well, speaking of stuff that I'm really way too late on as well. I like, have watched this already, yes. And tell me, Annabelle, this you love so it? This is so often the case with TV shows. <laughs> it's very, very sugary, I'd say. Yeah. That show sparked my obsession for Renee Rapp. Yep. Yep. She's on TikTok. She's wonderful. You would love her, Michelle. Renee Blank Rapp stairs. is everywhere at the moment and I think this is the reason I picked up the show. I don't know if that sentence makes any sense or decided to start watching the show because Renee Rapp is very publicly at the moment not pursuing the next season of the show and there's been some contract kind of breakdowns in negotiations and I saw all these headlines being like what is this show without Renee Rapp Mm. and so I was like I just I want to see what the fuss is about. I've watched I'm early in, I have to say. I've watched a few episodes and honestly, I usually hate when people recommend things this early, (laughs) but I'm really tired and this really helped me this week. And I already am like, what is this show without Renee Rapp? I will say if you're enjoying it this early, you're going to enjoy the whole thing. It is just, I had heard people describe it as like a modern day Gossip Girl-ish. Like if you liked Gossip Girl, even though I don't think the content is very similar, just that sort of fun vibe. I don't think there's been a show like that that I've watched in a very long time. Would you agree with that, Annabelle? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Actually, no, I don't want to say that. Yeah, I totally agree with you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Do I have to decide whether I want to keep that I in think, or not? I think you say it and then we all decide yeah. whether you should have said it. No, you guys are going to hate it. Like, <laughs> it's one of those things where I try and make a joke and it doesn't work. Okay, oh. well, go on. I've been wanting to make a callback to Ryan Gosling's sublime in Barbie. Oh. So I was going to say, it's sublime, would you say? Yeah, right. <laughs> And now I know the listeners at home are going to be thinking it didn't land and now I'm going to have to keep this in. Yeah, you don't have to keep this in. It really ruined the magic as well that you're just sitting on these words being like, when do I come in with the blood? Yeah. May I just say, it is tough sitting in this producer role because you don't say much and sometimes you're given a small window. And you're like, I've just got to come up with a, a lot quip. of pressure on yourself. Yeah. It's never in your job description to come up with a quip. It's totally fine. No, that it is... Sublime. Sublime. And Good. I am enjoying it, so I can't wait to keep watching. How are you? How was your week? What are you recommending? Sublime. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just picturing your nightmares now, Annabelle, to be of all the windows that you've missed Literally. of opportunity. Okay, I love my recommendation. I want everyone to watch it. In fact, I'm surprised you haven't watched it, Zara McDonald. I have. Oh. Ah, sorry, I saw it written down just then. I've only watched the first three episodes. Well, so have I. So. Ah. Oh. Uh, the Matilda's docuseries on Disney+. Plus. When did you watch this? Last night. Oh, okay. All right. So maybe you heard me talk about it and then you put it on? Uh, yes. Okay. Sure. Great. All right. Well, everyone needs to go watch the Matilda's docuseries on Disney+. Plus. It deep dives the team's last two-ish years, essentially since their current coach has been appointed and their lead-up to the World Cup that we are obviously currently watching unfold and we are living for. I just think it is 
spectacular insight into the women on this team and their different backstories. Like some of them have gone to incredible lengths to have children while being Mm. professional athletes. Others like Sam Kerr have really interesting stories where they maybe got kicked out of school in year nine or yeah, it's just magnificent. I watched it with Mitch and I just think if you're loving the Matildas right now, like we all are, you have to watch this. It is amazing. I'm obsessed with this team. I am obsessed with them all. They couldn't come across as more wonderfully humble women. And it's like, you guys should have all the egos in the world because what you do is amazing. What someone like Katrina Gorey has done over the last few years to play internationally and globally again is amazing. I'm very nervous about the game tonight. The game's tonight. So we're recording this on Wednesday. This will come out on Thursday. So when you guys are listening to this, you'll know the result. And I hope <laughs> I hope you're smiling as you're listening because you know that we've won. Oh my God, you guys can be so smug. You're in the future. I know. <laughs> but it's, it's a really good series. And I just think get behind women's sport. And I all- have, by the way. Yes, Annabelle started watching. Oh, yes. yes. You've watched and you loved. I feel like a bandwagoner, but I definitely enjoy it and I'm actually excited to watch tonight. Well, I mean, the first game you watched had the longest World Cup penalty shootout of all time. So you picked a good game to get on the bandwagon with. I will say, though, the whole time I was like, okay, what happens if they kick the goal? (laughs) (laughs) That's fine. Half the time I was like, I can't do this. I don't even want to watch. I burst into tears halfway through the penalty shootout. I was not emotionally coping, but then I don't think I've ever been so happy to have a win. Aside from the Richmond premierships, which I have obviously loved as well. Zara, we can't move on without getting your oracle prediction. You've told us many a time that you can read the future. You can predict the future. So what is the Matildas scoreline going to be against England in the semi-final of the World Cup? I I hate that you've asked me this, guys, because I don't want to tell you what I know. (laughs) 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 I love and hate you in (laughs) Look, I've never. So oh, she's she, got bad news for us. I, yeah, I have oh. bad news. I think it's. I think it's one nil to <gasps> England. But they are fighters. They never say die. Oh, I feel like crying. <laughs> and I am so happy to be stripped of my oracleness tomorrow. If I'm wrong, I'm happy to lose that if the Matildas win. Dare I say, if if Matildas win, unfortunately. You're never being referred to as the Oracle again. Well, no, and I've I'll got be enough happy. Of a, I've got enough of a, of a track record. Look, to be honest, I mean, I am in so many minds about it. It's been such a dream run and it's been so historical. And I think the conversation I was having with my sister the other day who grew up playing soccer and is just like so enamoured with all of this and so emotional about it was at this point... I don't know, like as much as I would adore a World Cup win and it would just be the greatest thing to ever happen ever, they have done so much already and they've done enough. Like Mm. that win last weekend was so historic and incredible in uniting the country. I'm like, I'm so proud of them already. They have done enough. Like this has already had such an impact. I'm okay. I'm at peace. I'm also at peace, but I'm also the one who's Googling when the Olympics is coming to Australia. Of course, I think think it might be 2034, maybe 2032. Yeah, or 30. I've already been planning uh, in my head. Six, I think. <laughs> in, <laughs> my, in my head, I'm literally not just like, so we're going to win the World Cup and then we're going to win the Olympics and it's going to be amazing. But yes, I'm also at peace. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, one quick recommendation from both of us as well before we jump into the first segment of the show, because we got to talk about oh. Taylor and Carly, is an episode of Stranger Than Fiction that's just gone live. Oh my God. We haven't been able to talk much about the relaunch of Book Club because we were away, but we have relaunched Book Club in its own podcast feed. And as part of that, we've started a podcast called Stranger than fiction, which tells the stories of the craziest literary controversies yes. ever from authors who 
faked their own deaths. Faked their own deaths or faked their own books. The episode that went live on Tuesday is incredible. Annabelle, you're on it. It's a story that we wanted to cover on Shameless but never felt like we had the space because it wasn't very pop culture So that's why we wanted to do stories like this. Our host, Eilish Gilligan, is amazing. You have to listen to that. It is about Susan Meachin and that whole fake death saga. It is so, so good. My jaw was on my desk. Mm -hmm. It is such a good episode. So yeah, go into the book club feed, listen to the Stranger Than Fiction episode. It's awesome. All right, Carly, Taylor, let's go. Because that's where we're starting today. Of course, in case you missed it last week, Carly Kloss popped up at Taylor Swift's Eras Tour. She did. She appeared at the Los Angeles show last week. Now, some of our listeners will implicitly know that this is a very big deal in pop culture land. But for the listeners who might not be Taylor Swift fans or might not be fully across this backstory, we're going to give you all the context because there is a reason so many people are obsessively talking about Carly Kloss this week. It's so funny. My sister, who has randomly just got two shout-outs in this episode already, <laughs> and probably hasn't been mentioned in months, she's a massive, massive Taylor Swift fan, like the biggest Swiftie of all time. And I messaged her last night saying, what did you think happened between Taylor and Carly, by the way? And she said, I'm going to need to know who you're talking about regarding oh. Carly. Oh. So I'm like... There are pure Taylor Swift fans yeah. who don't understand the Taylor Swift drama like her out there that we need to explain this to. Now, look, these two met in 2012. Essentially, Taylor did a cover for Vogue magazine back in the day, years and years ago, and said that she would love to bake cookies with Carly Kloss. This was before they'd even met. So kind of put this thing out into the ether. Naturally, Carly Kloss saw that, tweeted her and said, I'm keen. And that was kind of the birth of their friendship. Their friendship was very public from the start. And I think that's a really important point to note from here. Yeah, absolutely. Within a year, they were super close. They were super public about the friendship. They were going on road trips together. On one road trip, they drew Carly Hart Taylor in the sand and then uploaded a photo of that to social media. Carly in particular, I would say, was very gushing about Taylor and her love for Taylor online. Another post around this time had the caption, we were both young when I first saw you. They were kind of very close together, very affectionate towards each other in this photo. Another photo saw them holding hands, walking side by side at the Victoria's Secret catwalk with the caption, because we never go out of style, we never go out of style. Yes, both of those lyrics from Taylor Swift's songs, in mm -hmm. case you're not a Swifty at all. Love songs, I will say. <laughs> <laughs> think we know what Michelle thinks. <laughs> Let's keep going. <laughs> now, these two were papped all the time in 2014. There was one particular pap shot that was of note at the time. It was published by TMZ. They were at a 1975 concert. And a couple of people, and when I say a couple of people, quite a lot of people were speculating that perhaps Carly and Taylor were having a little kiss. Yeah, they were having a kiss. Okay. Well. And according to my eyes. These... You should have seen Michelle in our <laughs> office yesterday. There's a video of this. She's got this footage up on the TV and she's pointing, being like, there it is. There it is. There's the kiss. I, I, you did try to give us a lesson in that video. I personally don't think it's emphatic enough for me, but I appreciate why there was speculation about it after they were, I think they were certainly canoodling, but friends can canoodle at this concert. I canoodle with many a friend. Yes, exactly. So it was definitely vague, but it definitely inflamed rumours about what their relationship actually was. 
that later that year in an interview with Rolling Stone, Taylor also told the journalist that her spare bedroom in her New York City house was kind of reserved for Carly. In Feb 2015, they also appeared together on the cover of Vogue, which was very unlike Taylor. Like Taylor Swift doesn't really share the spotlight very often and it was very surprising that she shared a Vogue cover with Carly. Yeah, and in the piece they gushed about each other as friends and they talked a lot about their friendship circle. This was very much the girl squad era, which I'm sure the listeners remember quite clearly. Now, fast forward a little bit and we're in 2017, so two years after the Vogue cover, And it appears that Carly is starting to be frozen out by Taylor. Reports in 2017 suggested that Carly had no idea why Taylor had frozen her out or distanced herself. It appears that Taylor had her classic, like every year she throws a 4th of July party. Oh, yeah. Carly wasn't invited. Carly instead spent that 4th of July with Kendall Jenner. Now, I know we're not going to get too deep into the weeds of this. Keep in mind. (laughs) I wish we could. I really wish we could. Keep in mind. Kendall Jenner, of course, part of the Kardashian clan. If there is one group of people that Taylor Swift was arch nemesis with at the time, I would say it was Kim Kardashian and Kanye West. So that in and of itself was controversial. Yeah, exactly. Then reports surfaced that Taylor had declined to go on Carly's TV show. She stopped publicly naming Carly Kloss as one of her close friends. For her part, Carly was still posting on Instagram for stuff like Taylor's birthday. But it definitely appeared that things had soured by early 2018. Carly Kloss was then also seen hanging out with Katy Perry. Don't forget, of course, another feud that Taylor Swift <laughs> had was with Katy Perry. And that's when Jennifer Lawrence gave that very famous quote. I don't know if you guys remember. Oh, one of my yes. favourite. She was like, I'd like to know what's going on with Carly Kloss and Taylor Swift. That's the honest to God truth. Is nobody else curious? It's keeping me up at night. What happened? Jennifer Lawrence is and was all of us. So Carly and Taylor knew that people were talking about this and they did make some very half-hearted attempts to keep speculation at bay. Like when they were interviewed, they'd be like, no, guys, we're still friends. Nothing to see here. But then all of the hard evidence pointed to the fact that there was absolutely something to see here. Because when Carly got married in 2018, best friend Taylor on the cover of magazines with Taylor was not on the invite list or at least wasn't seen at the wedding. By 2019, Carly was posing in photos with Scooter Braun. That was the real Uh, nail in the coffin if there ever was one. Oh, my God. That was the nail. Like, Scooter Braun, only a month earlier, had been blasted by Taylor online as being a guy who had bullied her, stolen her music, however she worded it at the time. You know, she was really, really angry, still is at Scooter Braun. So to see Carly and Scooter in a photo together was the nail in the coffin. Absolutely. And that's when fans really, really wanted to know what the hell had happened here because we never saw Taylor and Carly together again. And I think what happened as well is people started digging into the lyrics of all of Taylor Swift's songs to work out if any of them were about Carly Kloss and the breakdown of that relationship. I would argue that they tried to find meaning in her songs about Carly Kloss more than any of her exes. Exes, for sure, her public exes. I mean, there's one song called Time to Go, which was released in 2021, which had the lyric, when the words of a sister come back in whispers that prove she was not in fact what she seemed. People kind of speculated that that was about Carly. Maroon, people have speculated, is about Carly. 
It is hard to read the lyrics of Maroon with Carly Kloss in your mind mm. and not think that it works. Yeah. No, it does work because Maroon references this, like, great love. It references New York City. It references, like, lips so scarlet they were maroon. So... I don't know many men with very scarlet lips that are maroon. <laughs> and, and this was very, very famously the New York era of Taylor Swift's life. It's when she was living there. She wrote 1989. It's when Carly Kloss was around. Carly Kloss was very famously one of the first people to listen to 1989. And I think what is most fascinating now and what brings us to current day is Carly Kloss appeared on the Wednesday night show, it was the last show of Taylor Swift's US leg of her era's tour. It was the show that she announced the re-recording of 1989. Mm. And so everybody is very thrown. The timing cannot be a coincidence. Now, it's probably important to note that Carly wasn't in that black VIP tent that I'm sure you've seen on TikTok. She was in the bleachers. She was up the back. Everybody's like, oh, she had to buy her own tickets to the show. I saw some pretty high profile influencers speak about this on TikTok and say, actually, Taylor also has a whole section where Carly was as well for Mm. celebrities to kind of have access to tickets. Elise Myers, do you guys know her? Yeah, she said that, that she said that um, famous people have the access to those tickets as well. For me, there's absolutely no coincidence about this. Like, yeah. there's no way that Carly Kloss is just turning up to a Taylor Swift concert, particularly the final leg, particularly the one where 1989 is being announced as the next re-recorded album when it was Carly's like album. Era. It's her era. So I'm like, what What are they trying to tell us? What, yeah, I am really confused by the seat thing, to be honest. According to people who were at the concert, she actually got moved. Halfway through, a minder came up and moved them to the VIP tent. So I, I don't... But those are conflicting reports. So Entertainment yeah. Tonight reported that and then everybody else said that was fake news. So it got really confused because people were like, was she in the bleachers the whole time? Had she been moved to the VIP tent? There's like been a lot of mixed reporting around this. It's super weird, like... Not obviously, we bought tickets. This is no no shame to anyone who's buying tickets and is just going to the show regularly. <laughs> but she's such a famous celebrity, and there's such a high profile history. The fact she wasn't in the VIP tent is so bizarre to me. Like even Vanity Fair ran the headline: Carly Kloss was a non VIP attendee at the Eras tour. Like. That was in their headline. It was so notable. So was that even like a plant that they thought if we actually get her in the stands where she has, I don't know, maybe 300 people around her who could get a shot and put her on TikTok, that is going to make more videos. It's going to get more eyeballs on it. It's going to be a bigger moment than if someone just snaps a pic in the VIP tent. And then it raises this question and then it makes us ask what the hell happened again. And then it leads to podcasts like this doing segments like this as promotion. I also think if she landed in the VIP tent, it's too zero to hero too quick. Like you can't, we cannot go from nothing to everything straight away. This plants the seed. This to me is like, (laughs) oh God, I don't know if I hate myself or love myself right now. This to me is like the symbolism of like we're back in contact, but we're not best friends because it's like, it's that kind of like you're not, she's not back in the inner sanctum around all the friends and family, but they are aren't on horrendous terms anymore. In fact, I would argue they're probably quite friendly. Yeah. Bleachers yells friendly, not friends. (laughs) (laughs) I would say bleachers yells strangers, but bleachers being moved to VIP 
yells oh, friendly. I think you're absolutely right. I think she was deliberately put in that seat because so many people would see her. She's not a small woman. She's quite tall. She's <laughs> so easy to spot. She's like a gazelle. Yeah. yeah. And so I I would love to know what this means about the re-recorded album, if Carly's going to have anything to do with it or yeah. if they're just going to slowly start easing their way back into the public eye as friends. I am fascinated but I'm happy about it. I'm happy too. Do we do we have any theories as to what the hell caused this friendship breakup? Oh, I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> well, if we're asking for my theory, I don't think it was as simple as a friendship breakup. Yeah. I think maybe these two were something more, which if that's the case, I'm living for it. And it's one of my favourite celebrity stories ever. I also don't mind the theory, which is going around on TikTok at the moment and has been reported in blind items that it was Carly Kloss who accidentally spilled the beans about Taylor's masters being up for sale to Scooter Braun. So Carly Kloss unwittingly, by virtue of having a big mouth, which relatable, I can yeah. tall gal, big mouth. <laughs> yeah, this would be me. Yeah. <laughs> she accidentally spilled the beans. Scooter Braun acquired Taylor's music. It was the biggest business headache of Taylor Swift's career. And Taylor cut Carly out for being careless. I've seen that theory floating around on TikTok as well. And it's the most convincing theory I've seen about this friendship breakdown, mm. relationship breakdown over the last sort of few years. I think that's probably likely in timing wise what's happened. But I mean, like, look at Taylor now. Now that maybe so many of the albums have been recorded and have been such a success, you can kind of put that behind you. Yeah. Like the timing makes sense as well. Look, I am fascinated. You bet we'll be giving you every update on this because <laughs> I cannot get enough. Coming up after the break, the team that works at Star Magazine has had an absolute headache this week and it seems all of TikTok is mourning the death of Anna Paul's relationship. But first, a word from today's sponsor. And now it is time for the quick and dirty. As always, we bring you the top five stories from the rough and tumble of the celebrity and pop culture news cycle. She never fucks it up like I do. <laughs> I love that line. <laughs> Michelle, conspiracy theorist Andrews. Oh, come on now. I don't have a conspiracy theory. <laughs> what have you got for me? I have a very, very interesting one to start us off. American Magazine sparks backlash for reporting Sandra Bullock and Brian Randall split six days after his death. That is from Yahoo. Guys, if you ever needed more proof that tabloids can and should get a reality check, look no further than Star Magazine, which also goes by the name In Touch Weekly as well, Zara. Yeah. Who on Friday published a cover announcing that Sandra Bullock and her partner had separated when that was so, so far from the truth. Yeah, four days before this cover was reportedly published, Sandra Bullock's partner, Brian Randall, his family announced that he had passed away peacefully at the age of 57 after a very private three-year struggle with ALS. Now, when his family announced the news, they kind of released a statement to People magazine and said that he had died on Saturday. The statement added, Brian chose early to keep his journey with ALS private and those of us who cared for him did our best to honour his request. We are immensely grateful to the tireless doctors who navigated the landscape of this illness with us and to the astounding nurses who became our roommates, often sacrificing their own families to be with ours. 
Now, a bit of context about Sandra Bullock's relationship with Brian Randall. They actually first met in Jan 2015. He's a photographer. He was hired to photograph her son's birthday party. I love this story. Uh, Yeah, and they kind of went public with their relationship later that year at Jennifer Aniston and Justin Theroux's wedding. Bit of a flashback there. Such a throwback. Sandra Bullock actually went on Red Table Talk in 2021 and touched upon this relationship and she tried to make it really clear why marriage wasn't a big priority for her when it came to this love story. She said, I don't want to say do it like I do it, but I don't need a paper to be a devoted partner and devoted mother. I don't need to be told to be ever present in the hardest of times. I don't need to be told to weather a storm with a good man. Back to this Star magazine cover with all of this in mind. This came to my attention when Twitter user Paul Lang posted a screenshot showing the cover which many have since condemned for the wildly insensitive reporting. Now, Lang wrote in his tweet, it must have been a long week for the editor's Star magazine waiting for this cover to come out today. The cover actually included some text that read, why Brian walked away after eight years, awkward bickering at dinner parties, how she told the kids. This is like... It's an abomination. It is a total abomination. Uh, we know that these kinds of magazines like purely make up stories. Mm. So much of what they do is is made up stuff. But the timing of this is horrendous and I think it, it surely proves how damaging made up stories like this can be and how embarrassing it is. I think the thing that's more embarrassing to me is at the time of recording, I cannot see a response from Star Magazine about it or an acknowledgement. They've tried to pull the cover and the story down. Yeah, it's it's just such... A stark reminder that so often these publications don't have the facts. I think the interesting thing about Star Magazine is sometimes they are at the forefront. Sometimes they are breaking celebrity stories. For example, they were the magazine to break the story about Ashton Kutcher and Demi Moore having problems in their marriage and potential infidelity. But I think what Star Magazine do is they have 50% of the story. For example, they probably had that Brian and Sandra weren't seen together very much and they add the other 50%. And sometimes you're going to get it right. Sometimes you're going to get it so drastically wrong in a way that is just so embarrassing for them and so saddening for an industry that that is the state of where we're at. Completely. Our second story. Anna Paul has revealed why she and her boyfriend Glenn broke up in a super honest TikTok. That is from Pedestrian. Guys, we've spoken about many a breakup in the last month on Shameless. And I don't think any breakup has affected the public quite as much as Anna Paul and Glenn splitting. 1,000%. So if you missed this last week, OnlyFans star Anna Paul announced that her and her long-term partner Glenn had broken up. As you say, Mish, this one felt big. Anna Paul, for context, has over 7 million followers on TikTok. She has 2.9 on Instagram and is one of the country's biggest OnlyFans stars. Now, she and Glenn had been together for over eight years. Anna said in her video she was about 16 or so Mm. when they got together. He appeared in so much of her content, right? Like you felt like you kind of knew their dynamic. Yeah. And not just like social media content. He's also in her OnlyFans content. Like he is an omnipresent person in her life and has been for almost a decade. Yeah. And I think the parasocial relationship that people had with their relationship 
was probably more intense than I realized given how big the response has been to their breakup. Now, in the video where she announced the breakup over the weekend, Anna Paul said it was a mutual decision. She said the pair still love each other very much. Glenn actually featured at the very end of the video by giving her like a little kiss on the head. I loved this part. It was only maybe a 35-second video or a minute-long video. And just at the very end, he appears and kisses her on the head. And I was like, chef's kiss. Like as far as a breakup video goes to show us you're on good terms, that is amazing. Yeah. And she was very um, straight down the line about it. She didn't give the audience a lot, but she told them in no uncertain terms that it was done. And that was that. That video has now been viewed over 35 million (sighs) times. There are videos that keep coming up in my feed that others have made about the breakup. Montages. Morning, yeah. Morning videos. I've seen ones that have been liked over 500,000 times about the breakup. This is how much the TikTok community has been shocked by this. In a follow-up video after the initial announcement video, Anna sort of explained a little bit more about the breakup. She reiterated that it was mutual and she did confess, Mish, that it was a long time coming. Yeah, here's a snippet from that video. In all honesty, this breakup was a very long time coming, okay? We've been together for eight years and relationships go through ups and downs and not fights, but more like, should we even be together? Like it has had that over a long time. There have been moments where we've been close to breaking up very often, actually, out of love, like like mutual breakups. Um, so that's why I'm not insanely shocked and he's not insanely shocked and people are like, why doesn't Anna look sad? You know, I am sad, trust me. I've been crying, okay? And Glenn's been crying. Trust me, we have both mourned this breakup multiple times. Super interesting, super, super intense response. There have been like conspiracy theories that there was cheating going on that ended up being completely false and that the couple have had, or the former couple have had to come out and debunk. Like this has just exploded. And I think it's testament to how great Anna Paul is at her job. People love her to a level that is I have not seen, I don't think. Maybe the only other online celebrity that I can think of is Molly Mae Haig, who has channeled the same level of adoration from her fans. The difference is Molly Mae gets a lot of backlash for some of the stuff she says. Like there's people who really want to pull Molly Mae down. Anna Paul doesn't have that. Anna Paul is just beloved by everyone. And I truly hope it stays that way because it's really lovely just to see someone be loved and for everyone to just really enjoy their content and it to be That's a wholly so positive time. And to Anna Paul, if you're out there, I doubt you're listening. You're so <laughs> important and so busy. But I just really, really like Anna Paul. I think she's incredible. I'm here for all the success. It's such I love a good her. point you make, though. It's like of how refreshing it is to see someone just be loved. Like, like we don't have to critique. No, we don't always have to. Oh. What a nice thought. Our third story. Zimmerman becomes Australia's first billion-dollar fashion label after private equity acquisition. That is from The Guardian. I knew Zimmerman was big. I did not realise they were billion-dollar big. Well, nearly $2 billion big. (laughs) I had no idea. Zimmerman have officially, guys, become Australia's first billion-dollar fashion label. Truthfully, I didn't even know that retail or clothing could could be be a billion dollars. Now, a private equity firm has acquired a majority stake in the business, and Reuters have reported that the business was valued in this transaction at $1.76 billion. That's so far past $1 billion by (laughs) (laughs) 0.76 of a billion. Like, they sailed past that billion-dollar valuation. Maths, according to Zara. I just didn't know that 
this business was this profitable or that any retail business, I know I keep saying this, yeah. but all we keep talking about when it comes to Australian fashion labels is how it's a really, really tough landscape. Yeah. So to see an Australian brand do this overseas is amazing. What are their profit margins? Like apparently about a 30% core profit margin I was reading yesterday. Yeah. Now the labels founders, sisters, Simone and Nikki Zimmerman do still have a, a minority share on the brand. They have said they'll continue to run the company alongside current management. This brand started in 1991 at the Paddington Markets in Sydney. There are now 58 Zimmerman boutiques worldwide, including 22 in Australia and 22 in the US. There's actually one around the corner from us. Yeah, which we exactly love. right. According to the AFR, as you said, Zara, this all began more than 30 years ago. And it was actually when the then fashion director of Vogue Australia, a woman named Judith Cook, noticed her assistant wearing a shirt that things really took off. So according to the AFR, Judith Cook had noticed that the shirt had kind of applique details and had this really vintage vibe and was really unique. And then the assistant explained that it had been made by her friend and a fellow graduate from East Sydney Tech, a woman named Nikki Zimmerman. No way. This is such a cool story. How cool is this? So Judith Cook told the AFR, I remember thinking, that is fabulous. It was uplifting. I wanted to shoot it right away. That's exactly what she did. She took it to New Orleans where she shot it on location for a Vogue shoot. She said it was as distinctive then as it is now. Nikki had it from the very start. I am just obsessed that with like something at a market that is pure creativity could be picked up and be shot by the then fashion director of Vogue. Like it's such a cool story. Yeah, it's amazing. And also I should say props to the AFRs, Lauren Sams, because what I found hard when I was kind of researching this story is there's not a lot of um, narrative around Mm. Zimmerman. Like when I saw this nearly $2 billion valuation, I was like, all I want is like the story behind this business because there has to be like the most insane story here. And there wasn't a lot around. And the AFR's Lauren Sams has got these amazing quotes from people about the brand. Now, Simone Zimmerman actually had a background in the 80s in like computer marketing. She launched the business with Nikki. Nikki was sort of the designer one, the creative one. Simone kind of, I think from my understanding anyway, just helped her grow the business. So cool. And they were a really dynamic duo. The brand has certainly evolved over the years, particularly since it expanded globally in 2011. Uh, I'm sure you guys will remember in 2017, there was quite a bit of backlash when consumers realised that Zimmerman was suddenly advertising dresses for $2,000. I grew up you know, thinking that Zimmerman dresses sat in that maybe $500 to $700 yeah. price bracket. Still stupidly expensive, but not not near the... Not too grand. I remember girls wearing Zimmerman dresses to the formals. formals. And that was like, if you were wearing a Zimmerman dress, it was like, how? You were still yeah. asking the question of where does that $600 dress come from? Like, where'd you get the money? But young women were wearing it. And then there was like this glow up and all of a sudden the prices had quadrupled. Yeah, and it's when they went overseas. They kind of remarketed themselves as a brand that could compete with the likes of, you know, your Gucci's and your Mm. Louis Vuittons when you're charging $3,000 for a dress. And it worked. To to my upset, it worked for them. (laughs) It worked. And I find this the most amazing part of their story, to look at how they pulled that off, to completely re-engineer how much you're charging for a dress and to not 
either lose a customer base or to be able to absolutely freshly grow a new one yeah. is absolutely remarkable just off brand power and faith that your dresses are so unique and you have such a unique position in the landscape that this will work. I have such respect for, I mean, I do wish they champion size diversity a little mm. bit more with their size range. But beyond that, from a branding perspective, it is impressive. I also loved this quote from former InStyle editor Laura Brown, who also told the AFR a couple of months ago about Nikki and Simone, they have not changed. They haven't bought into so much of the behaviour that goes along with fashion. And I think that's been because they've always been so secure in what they do. I couldn't find that much around about them because they just probably got their heads down doing... Heads down, mm, bum up mentality. Yeah, yeah. Very that's, Australian. That's sublime, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so she, yeah, nice. <laughs> now, I have one other quote to give you before we move on, and I really loved this one as well. Simon Locke, who founded Australian Fashion Week in 1996, where Zimmerman actually showed at the time also told the AFR that he felt this deal was completely inevitable. He said Zimmerman is everything Australian brands should aspire to be. Zimmerman has the potential to join the likes of Gucci, Celine and Louis Vuitton and others in the exclusive luxury club. Our fourth story. What we know about Lil Tay's rumoured death, that is from The Cut. I will be brutally honest with the listeners. This is one of the most bizarre stories I've ever had to research for the podcast I would encourage you that if you're trying to find sense in any of it, don't. It's just not going to make much sense. It doesn't. It still doesn't make much sense, but we're going to try anyway. Before we talk to you guys about the reported death hoax, we're going to explain who Lil Tay is because it is a bit of a flashback. Some listeners may remember that back in early to mid-2018, this really young kid went like batshit viral on social media. She was a rapper named Lil Tay and she told the world she was nine years old and extraordinarily wealthy. She was known as, and I quote, the youngest flexer of the century and she would dance around with huge wads of cash, all these designer items. There was this three-month period where she was uploading all these videos and they were just going viral upon viral. She was gaining millions of followers and everyone was asking, like, who is this kid? Where did she come from? And where is all this money coming from? Yes. And it turns out that the money actually wasn't Tay's or her family's. Her mum was actually a real estate broker who was using her client's luxury <laughs> houses, wardrobes, and cars <laughs> It's giving made in Manhattan. Yeah. <laughs> Just the cheek of it all. <laughs> she did not have permission from her employer and she promptly got sacked. Now, another member of Lil Tay's family that the world took interest in was her brother, her older brother, Jason, who was about six years older than her and was apparently like the total architect behind her internet fame and that he had complete control over her accounts. Mm. The other key players here that you should also be aware of is is her dad, Christopher, who apparently wanted her to become a music star, not an internet star. And then you've got her manager, a guy named Harry Sang, who also agreed with Tay's father. Yes. So you essentially had Lil Tay, her mother and her brother on one side who were really pushing the internet virality thing, and then her father and her manager who were trying to push a more mainstream kind of fame, like a pop star or rapper career. So these two different camps of Lil Tay's family start publicly feuding. They also start feuding through the court system. In fact, Lil Tay's stardom sparked such a messy court battle between her parents because they started fighting for custody as well as for control over her profile, her future, 
her income, all of it, it became incredibly messy. Yeah. Now, naturally, all of this was quite controversial to say the least. And after a few months of internet stardom, Tay kind of disappeared from it all amidst all the legal drama. And over the intervening years, there has been some pretty downright bizarre stuff that's happened on her social media accounts. In late 2018, there were posts that accused her father, Christopher, of abuse. But then these posts were then explained as a hacking event. More posts went up in 2021 of a similar nature, but this time with a GoFundMe page trying to raise money for Lil Tay, again, these were explained away by her family as a hacking. Mm. And then fast forward some years, Lil Tay is 16 and not active on social media at all. In fact, her Instagram account where she has almost 4 million followers has been completely silent. Until this week. Yes. Until this week when this post went live. It is with a heavy heart that we share the devastating news of our beloved Claire's sudden and tragic passing. This outcome was entirely unexpected and has left us all in shock. Her brother's passing adds an even more unimaginable depth to our grief. Now, I know the name Claire was used in that post, some outlets are reporting that Claire is Lil Tay's birth name. Lil Tay has said that is not her birth name, so that has been a source of confusion. The Instagram post went on. During this time of immense sorrow, we kindly ask for privacy as we grieve this overwhelming loss as the circumstances surrounding Claire and her brother's passing are still under investigation. Yes. Now, it wasn't just a social media post. According to TMZ, they were actually sent a press release stating that Lil Tay and her brother died at their mother's home in Vancouver. And so journalists started to dig. They consulted local police who had zero information about the deaths in Vancouver that matched the time period. Harry, that manager I mentioned earlier, told outlets, I cannot definitively confirm or dismiss the legitimacy of the statement issued by the family. Weird. Meanwhile, someone claiming to be Lil Tay's dad called the New York Post only to say, I don't have any comment right now. I'm sorry, I can't. Weird. So this was going on for a full 24 hours, right? Like it starts trending on Twitter. Everyone on social media, including some famous rappers, start tweeting, posting messages of support and condolences to Lil Tay's family, start mourning her. Then the next day, Lil Tay corrected the record with a statement. She told the media this, my Instagram account was compromised by a third party and used to spread jarring misinformation and rumors regarding me. So we have another claim of a hacking. This is now at least the third claim of a of an Instagram account hacking that Lil Tay and her team have made in the last few years. On the veracity of the hacking claim, her now former manager, Harry Sang, provided the cut with a statement where he said he found relief in the confirmation of her safety, but has reservations regarding the authenticity of the reported hacking incident. His statement went on, it is plausible that the driving force behind these events might revolve around an attempt to surreptitiously solicit funds from dedicated supporters and unsuspecting bystanders. Yeah. Just to make things slightly more confusing, in case it wasn't confusing (laughs) already, according to TMZ, a spokesperson for Meta has confirmed that that account was hacked. Yeah, that this hacking was legit. Meta has then been declining to comment to other news outlets. 
So we don't really know anything I right now. I don't know what is going on. What I will say is that whatever's happened here, I'm not actually holding Lil Tay to account at all. She's a 16-year-old kid. Absolutely. She has clearly had people around her that I think have misbehaved for a long time. So I'm not saying Lil Tay is to blame here. It's just a bizarre story. And I'm honestly quite sad that there's a child at the heart of it who has been at the heart of this kind of stuff for so long now. Yeah, I'm completely dumbfounded. And I think if you have been confused by the headlines and you've been seeing rolling it around, that's our explainer, which basically got to the end and is more confusing. Then perhaps <laughs> just reading a headline. <laughs> our fifth and final story. Kyle Richards and Morgan Wade keep it flirty in new video for Fall in Love with Me. That is from Variety. You guys will remember that right before we went on break... Well, I had already gone on break. I was in Europe, but you two were both doing the show still. You told everyone about the rather confusing state of Kyle Richards and Mauricio Umansky's marriage. I listened to the segment. I and was proud of you. I, w- oh, I was Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I was proud of you. I think you did a really good job. And I'm so stoked that we have an update that I can weigh in on. <laughs> What is the update? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, first of all, if anyone missed that segment, very, very quick context. Kyle is one of the biggest personalities to come out of Real Housewives. She's also Paris Hilton's auntie. She's very well connected. Her husband of 27 years is a guy named Mauricio. He's a big deal in his own right. Massive entrepreneur. Now has his own reality TV show about his real estate brokerage. So... In July, People Mag reported that their marriage was done, that they had split but were living under the same roof. That report came on the heels of feverish speculation that Kyle was actually in a same-sex relationship with country music star Morgan Wade, a woman who is 26 years her junior. These two are spending a lot of time together. They seem to have like matching jewellery as well as maybe a matching heart tattoo. Things were pointing in the direction of more than friends. I think so. Definitely. I mean, it looked like they had matching tattoos, as you say. Now, Kyle and Mo, kind of speaking of confusing, sort of confusingly denied the people report. They kind of said they didn't confirm or deny that they'd split or not split or they just sort of said that they were having problems. They said they had had the hardest year in their marriage. One line I found real interest in was there has been no wrongdoing on anyone's part. Oh, that's your favourite type of line. <laughs> I, um, my interpretation of what's going on is that these two are separated and maybe seeing other people. And yeah. I think the no wrongdoing is, yes, Kyle's seeing Morgan Wade, but it's not wrong for her to do that because we've agreed that we're both doing that. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well done. Now, it's only one month since then and Kyle has appeared in Morgan Wade's music video, Mish. Yeah, and not just appeared in it. She's appeared as the love interest in the music video. The video sees Kyle try to seduce the singer, who is her neighbour. She wears lingerie. She works out. She is, like, playing this kind of character who's a super bougie, super sexy version of herself on Real Housewives, I would say. At one point, Kyle and Morgan Wade almost kiss as Morgan sings the lyrics, I'm going to make you fall in love with me, get caught up in me while you're overseas, wait until you see me in person, make that feeling worsen, and you'll be cursing. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Now, it's flirty. Like, flirty upon flirty. There are scenes of these two getting very up close and personal. As I said, there are lingerie scenes. There's also a scene where they're sharing a bath together. It's all kind of like teasing. They're very, very close to kissing, but the camera pans away just as their lips are about to touch. And i got to say, guys, 
I'm really fucking confused. Well, they have said that they're just doing it to poke fun at the speculation, right? Yeah, they've, they gave that quote. They said we're poking fun and that everyone always, like, thinks we're together and so to respond to the rumours that we're together... We'll act like we're together. We're going to film the world's sexiest music video together. Well, Mo also commented on it, I saw, with, like, fire emojis saying, yeah. so good. So he's also behind what? it. Yeah. I actually think they are trolling us, but I'm trying to work out if they're together and trolling us or not together and trolling us. I have been sitting with this for a while and as you guys said in our last segment about these two there are some team members at shameless media who are obsessed about this story like i am nikita our shout out nikita Nikita and i disagree on this nikita thinks they're not together i think they are a romantic couple i think they know this is such a like baffling story for the public and maybe like a, a quite messy one given we thought kyle and mauricio were still happily married I think Morgan and Kyle have gone, wow, what a clusterfuck. Like, what a PR headache we've found ourselves in. Let's have fun with it and just create chaos. I think they are seeing each other and they're creating pure chaos just to, like, what is it? You throw a chicken into a coop or you throw Ooh. a pigeon into a something. They're doing spanner that. Spanner in the works. Spanner. Yeah, they're throwing spanners. <laughs> I don't know what you're doing with chickens over there. <laughs> I don't know if chicken it was spanner the, either. <laughs> hen into the fox. I just, thing. I don't know much about this, but I disagree. <laughs> oh, you think they're just friends? I No, no. I, I don't think they think that there's a PR headache at all. I don't think they care. I think they are actually having fun and I think Mo mm. is too and I think everyone's fine. You know what I love? Yeah. When you close your laptop <laughs> to done. signal that we're wrapping up. I'm, I'm actually <laughs> So out of here, guys. I gotta I gotta soccer game to watch tonight. I gotta get ready. Guys, thank you so much for listening. As always, we're on Instagram at Shameless Podcast, at TikTok at Shameless underscore podcast. We are. Thank you so much for listening. Love you. Annabelle Lee, anything to add? No. That's all. Back Bye. in your ears on Monday. Bye. Go Tillies. Woo! Till it's done. <laughs> Media. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Hello guys, Mish here. I am the co-founder of Shameless Media. Thank you so much for giving us your ears and your mind and your time. We're so grateful. If you enjoy the stuff that we produce, may I recommend our brand new podcast, Style-ish Stylish, if you want to say it quickly. Style-ish, if you want to take the long way through. It is our podcast for all things fashion, brand, business, and beauty. If that is in your wheelhouse, if you care about style content, you will love this show. It is, of course, more than just a show as well. It is a newsletter. It is an Instagram feed. It is a TikTok account. There is so much good stuff going out on Stylish every single day starting now. So in your favorite app, search for Style-ish. Give it a listen. Give it a follow. We are an independent media company and we would be so, so grateful for all your support. That's all for me, guys. Check out Stylish and have a good one.